the expectation that someone be just like us creates a lot of frustration when somebody's not just like us. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am overjoyed to share with you today's guest. John Gray is the author of the most well-known and trusted relationship book of all time, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. USA Today listed his book as one of the top 10 most influential books in the last quarter century. In hardcover, it was the number one best-selling book of the 1990s. Dr. Gray's books are translated into approximately 45 languages in more than 100 countries and continue to be bestsellers. He's written over 20 books in his most recent book, Beyond Mars and Venus, we're going to talk about today. His Mars-Venus book series have forever changed the way men and women view their relationships. John helps men and women better understand and respect their differences in both personal and professional relationships. His approach combines specific communication techniques with healthy nutritional choices that create the brain and body chemistry for lasting health, happiness, and romance. His many books, blogs, and free workshops are available at marsvenus.com. They provide practical insight to improve relationships at all stages of life and love. An advocate of health and optimal brain functioning, he also provides natural solutions for overcoming depression, anxiety, and stress to support increased energy, libido, hormonal balance, and better sleep. He has appeared repeatedly on Oprah, as well as the Dr. Oz Show, Today, CBS This Morning, Good Morning America, and others. He's been profiled in Times, Forbes, USA Today, and People, and was a subject of a three-hour special hosted by Barbara Walters. Dr. John, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's a real pleasure to be with you. This is going to be quite a lot of fun, and I know so very informative. The first question I'd love to ask you, and I ask this of all my guests, is what was it that really inspired you to go down the career path that you chose and start helping people in the way that you did? Well, uh, I didn't ever think I would be a marriage counselor or a counselor at all. When I was 18, the Beatles went to India to study with Maharishi of the Transcendental Meditation Movement, which became worldwide phenomena. And somehow I ended up being his uh, personal assistant and uh, living with him for nine years, teaching his teachers was a big part of my life. I was a celibate monk like him. I wanted to be like him. He inspired me. And then it was time to grow up and be on my own. I was kind of motivated. I was definitely motivated because my younger brother, Jimmy, at the time was bipolar. And I had hoped meditation would do the trick for him, but it didn't. So I was really happy, fulfilled, successful, doing my life. He wasn't. So I thought, okay, I'll go to California. I was just drawn to California to study psychology. Maybe that could help my brother. 
And, you know, I no longer was involved with the TM movement at that point and hadn't had sex in nine years. So <laughs> I became an expert on sex. Uh, I traveled around, had lots of girlfriends. And I asked them, you know, what is it, what is it that makes you happy in sex? What, what's the, what's, how's your body work and so forth? And somehow, because I'd been a monk, they were happy telling me I wasn't supposed to know. And I realized there was so much about women that I didn't know. And I thought about a lot of men don't know this and women didn't know things about men. So I started teaching these workshops about sex, enlightened sexuality, studying psychology. And eventually that evolved into you need good communication outside the bedroom if you want a great sex life. So it evolved into the purpose of sex was to share love. And if you're not sharing love outside the bedroom, you're not going to share love inside the bedroom. And then I became a marriage counselor. I got married to Bonnie. I became a marriage counselor and realized I had a really good talent for understanding where people were coming from. And my ideas were counterculture at the time. This was a time where everybody was trying to... We want, we want equality. And of course, I want equality too. And everybody does. But it doesn't mean we have to be the same. But women were taught they should be like men. Men should be more like women. And so psychology had huge bias against men. And I came along and realized there's a lot of differences between men and women. Certainly, we all need love. You know, we all need dignity. We all need caring, support, all that. But men and women truly are different. And I began to realize that the expectation that someone be just like us creates a lot of frustration when somebody's not just like us. So there was misinterpretation that was happening again and again in my counseling sessions. And I kind of identified about 10 areas where there were very common misinterpretations between men and women. And by focusing on that, uh, all my clients got better really quick. And suddenly I had a waiting list as a counselor. And everybody said, after eight years of doing this, teaching classes on it and so forth, people said you had to write a book. So I wrote the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And it's still a big part of my life. Clearly. And I'm curious, you were talking about these differences at a time where this was kind of new, at least in the, in the clinical sense upon which we're talking about it and from a, a biological standpoint. Was there a lot of pushback when this came out and, and what was that like? It was hard. Uh, there was a lot of pushback. There were people who, when they would hear me speak, they thought I was trying to push us backwards in time to say that women should be barefoot and pregnant and stay in the kitchen, that kind of thinking. They shouldn't have jobs. They shouldn't be independent. And that's the opposite of what I was saying. I was saying that in our intimate relationships, we can only truly respect each other if we honor our differences. And those differences are real. And when we don't understand them, then it creates more frustration and communication breaks down. And it's interesting, this book came out, your your seminal book in 1992, and obviously the pushback has, has since subsided. In your experience, what have been some of the most impactful changes that this book has made for for men and women? Well, that's what motivated me to write the book. And I even tell some stories in the book is that people within one session sometimes would say, I've gotten more out of this one session than three years of therapy or six years of therapy or our marriage is just so many misunderstandings you clear up very quickly. And I remember if I go back really in time, Back to 1970, 1980, I was teaching three-day workshops, and they were very deep. They were heart-centered, very healing of the past. It was basic good gestalt therapy and so forth. 
And, and I think that's good for anybody, quite honestly. That's a very beneficial thing. But you can help people heal their past, but they still haven't learned how to have a healthy relationship. Because if we had dysfunctional parents, how do we know how to behave? We still have these misunderstandings. And I remember praying. I said, you know, I really want to be able to help people in a two-hour talk. <laughs> I said, I want to change people's lives. Because, you know, have, have people, it takes a special person to want to commit three days to a weekend, you know, and, and really grow that way. It's a big deal. And so I said, I want to be able to change people's lives in a positive way in two hours. And then this understanding came to me. It was amazing. I just started seeing that very quickly I could help change people's thinking by pointing out the obvious. They got, yeah, that's true. You know, it's just maybe something's not wrong with my partner. For example, you know, one of the big hits of Men Are From Mars is often women are talking. They don't necessarily want a man to interrupt and solve her problem. Like, I'll do this, honey, or you shouldn't feel that way, or why are you doing that? Instead, they just want them to say, hey, tell me more. Hear, hear her out. You know, this is really powerful. And men just didn't understand that because generally, if a man's talking about a problem, he wants to solve it. And quite often, if he's had a stressful day, he wants to forget his problems. And I called that the cave time. And often when a man didn't want to talk about his day, women like took it personally, like, what, you don't want to talk to me? You don't feel safe with me? You don't love me? You don't care about me? Are you angry with me? Because quite often, if a woman's angry, she won't talk to you until she gets really angry, and then, then it's not nice. So, <laughs> so there, there were some basic things that people didn't understand. And I pointed those out. And it, for many couples, not every couple, it made a huge, huge difference. Uh, I still think that taking a weekend to, to look deeper inside oneself and see where some of these uh, low self-esteem or anxiety or depression or irritability or anger issues, you know, these things can be healed. And sometimes in a few days, uh, people to a great extent. So I still do that work. But the Men from Mars has followed me all along because people keep saying, you got to teach this, you got to teach this. So finally, I thought, okay, I kind of got tired of teaching it. Then they said, then I thought, I'll put it in a book and I'll never have to teach it again. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a misunderstanding. And, but what I've done is evolved. You know, I'm a creative person, so I don't get tired talking about it. It's, it's still so necessary. And you, know, you said something about the pushback. There was pushback in the beginning. Then it became super, super popular. But then there was another pushback and that pushback still exists. I just want you to know. Not in the psychology, with most psychologists, their clients were getting better. So then they started to embrace the ideas. But still, uh, the whole idea that's cropping up now, gender neutrality and men and women really aren't that different, it's come back again and stronger. And so, uh, and rightly so, because there's a more confusion about gender than ever before, because due to the effects of putting hormones in our meats and putting pesticides on our, our vegetables, these have the effect of throwing our hormones out of balance. And it makes men more emotional. It makes women more independent. Uh, we could say it throws our hormones out of balance because it does. And uh, you know, in my book, Beyond Mars and Venus, I talk about what's happening today, which is a lot of gender confusion, uh, where we just sort of, once again, we think we should all be the same, and we're not. And it, it, this doesn't mean that women can't be you know, independent, the companies, whatever. But when they come home, if they've been on what I call their male side, producing male hormones like testosterone, what happens is their female hormones like estrogen or progesterone are not being produced. 
this throws their hormones out of balance. So they lose touch with their feminine qualities. So the idea is there's nothing wrong with women being masculine, but the key to it is to be able to balance their masculine with the happiness and love that comes from going to their female side. So since I wrote Men Are From Mars, this has been a bigger problem. So I address that in Beyond Mars and Venus, how to bring men, women back to their female side and what men can do to help them. Because when men can help women, then men become more masculine. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. And I want to definitely dive into that a little bit deeper, but let's take a step back and go at a higher level. We, you've given us a couple examples and you've certainly stated that there are these differences between men and women. And Dr. John, in all the years you've been doing this, what have you found to be some of these big discrepancies or big differences between men and women above and beyond from the, the physical stuff? Well, I think your, your bottom line is we live in a stressful world. So how do we find fulfillment? How do we cope with that stress? We have coping mechanisms which can be successful or not successful. A successful coping mechanism we study now in psychology is that when a person is feeling very stressed or upset or can't relax, doesn't sleep well, if you talk to somebody about what your emotions are, what your feelings are, if you feel free and safe to express how you feel, you end up feeling better. You end up sleeping better. You end up being happier. You end up finding a, a heart opening where you're able to find acceptance and forgiveness and so forth. Understanding comes within. So the idea is how do we cope with stress is a big issue today, which is another way of saying is how do we find happiness? Because it's the stress that you know keeps us from connecting with that most happy, fulfilled, loving part of us. So when we look at that, both men and women, we're all stressed out to various degrees. A relationship should be a place where we can handle that stress. Now, it turns out if you look statistically at men and women, you'll see that basically 90% of the people who go to therapy to talk to a therapist are women. Why would that be? Because women actually get more help from talking about their emotions than men. Now, men can get help from it too, but a primary thing for men is solving problems. Or if you can't solve a problem, then forget it temporarily. So men have a variety of coping mechanisms of not talking, of forgetting it. And to, to a certain extent, psychology has shamed men for this, made men wrong for this, sort of fueled women's misunderstanding of men. When a man doesn't want to talk about something, it's like, oh, you're in denial. Well, the reality is that when a woman doesn't want to talk about something, she's in denial because she doesn't feel safe to express what's inside. But if she can express how she feels, she will actually come back to a more positive place. Men, on the other hand, the first thing they need to do when they're stressed is take time to do something that they enjoy, something relaxing, 
something to help them forget their problems. And, and my message is the last thing you need to do is talk about your emotions if you're frustrated and stressed, but do something to temporarily forget your negative emotions, which might be watching a football game. Uh, a more enlightened version of that is to meditate. Uh, you know, that's been my teaching. You know, I've been teaching it for 40, maybe 45 years. Uh, it's very proven to help reduce stress levels and helps women, but particularly for men. If you think about it, uh, men will often say to women when women are upset, we'll say, just forget it. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Those are coping mechanisms for men. They don't work for women. What, what a man does if he learns to meditate is to let go of thinking about his problems and just let it go. And you can have various techniques of meditation, but also going to the gym and working out your muscles is a very powerful way Our jogging or doing yoga. These are all things that will help uh, take the adrenaline and use it up so your mind can relax using your muscles. So using your muscles or using your mind to solve problems is a way to help you forget the big problems. So we have big problems that stress us out. So men have little problems that they're engaged in, like hobbies. That's what a hobby used to be. You know, actually, when I was growing up, if you had a resume, you'd always put on your hobby because successful men always have hobbies. That's be like golf, for example, or tennis. And your hobby or some athletic activity that you enjoy because for men to distract themselves temporarily from problems is a way to relax. Then he can reflect on his heartfelt feelings. He can talk, he can share, and can connect. So I call that the cave time, is that men need to go to their cave. And women would not understand that instinctively because if men withdraw into their cave, then women feel like, oh, he, they take it personally. Because when a woman withdraws, it is personal. She, won't, she doesn't feel safe to talk. She feels like, oh, he'll interrupt me, or oh, I'm mad at him, or oh, he doesn't really care anyway, he doesn't listen. You know, men not listening was one of the biggest complaints women used to have. They've sort of given up on that now, but still sometimes he doesn't listen is, is an issue that comes up. But it used to be real big because they kept trying. But what's happening today is women have so disconnected from the part of them that needs to talk. When they're feeling overwhelmed, they feel, oh, there's just too much to do. I don't want to talk. And if I did, he would just interrupt anyway, and I don't have time for it. But that's actually the best therapy for women. The best way to cope with stress is to feel that she feels safe and comfortable to share what's going on inside of her. Her partner is not going to become irritated or lose interest. But timing is very important in all that. I mean, if she wants to share why he needs to take time to forget his problems, that doesn't always work. So this is really interesting. And I'm curious because one of the things you led with when talking about Beyond Mars and Venus was that because of the hormones and our foods and the pesticides that we're seeing, a shift in behaviors of men and women. So outside of you know growing our own cattle and, and having farms, what are some ways that both men and women can start addressing these issues in, in light of those environmental additives? Yeah, I think it might be good to just go a little deeper into the environmental attitudes as, uh, additives. When pesticides go into your body because you're not eating organic foods or when the meat you eat is, is, has hormones added to it, there, there is hormone-free meat and there are organic foods. But you know, I travel a lot, so I, I'm not always eating so pure myself. What that's going to do 
for a man is lower his testosterone. That those things register in his brain that as estrogen. And estrogen in a man's body, when the estrogen goes up, the biological re- response to that is testosterone goes down. So that's not good for men. Testosterone is the primary hormone that creates positive mood for men. When men's testosterone goes down, they become irritable, they become angrier, uh, they become depressed, they become anxious, they lose motivation, they have apathy, they feel bored. Those are all symptoms that are associated with low testosterone in men. Now, for women, ironically, again, we're different, when their body is exposed to external estrogens come into her body, instead of her making those estrogens, it sends a message to her brain that she has plenty of estrogen and therefore she doesn't need to make any. Now, that's very important. You see, her body needs uh, 10 to 20 times more estrogen at different times of the month. And so if her body, if the brain gets the message, I've got plenty of estrogen, then she doesn't have a natural motivation to create her own estrogen. And how do you create estrogen is through something in psychology we call pair bonding, where you depend on someone. That's what marriage is, is where you depend on each other for certain things. And in pair bonding, women used to be more motivated to have relationship because they had the need to make estrogen. But today, when women have, when the brain gets the message all month long, I've got plenty of estrogen, then there's no, they don't feel the need to be in relationship as they used to. Uh, so they have a greater sense of independence. Now, independence is good, but too much is not. So what that need for independence is the increasing of testosterone, which once again lowers her estrogen. So she's going back and forth. And it's not that she doesn't feel any need for a relationship, but when the estrogen levels, when she doesn't feel the need to make the estrogen, her ability to appreciate those she's in relationship with diminishes. You see, it's like if you're hungry, then food tastes really, really good. <laughs> but if you don't feel the need for the support, the hungry, the food, then it doesn't taste that good. It's like in eating all day, it becomes not that exciting. So try going without food for a day and it tastes fantastic. Well, women's hormones are that way. Their estrogen levels will start out very low after their period. And then about five days later, there's a need for her when she ovulates for the estrogen levels to double. And so at that time, her need for for partnership to depend on someone, to not do all herself dramatically increases. And that is when a woman can feel the need for romance much, much greater. So romance, again, there's so many romantic skills that men need to learn, that women need to learn so that she can feel there's times of the month where she can feel completely dependent on a guy for love and support, for encouragement, for adoration, for appreciation and so forth. Uh, And that would be a romantic date. You know, that's why the tradition has been on a date. It's not about a woman taking a man out and planning a date. It's about the man taking the woman out. See, that's, that's what romance is, is when the man does what the woman would like without her having to ask, <laughs> <laughs> which is a little, he's supposed to be a mind reader, you know? It's, a, it's tough, you know what? We need to get realistic about romance, but the bottom line of it, it needs to be something that would make the woman happy. It's not something that makes the man happy other than the fact that he's doing something where he's assured he can make her happy and she's happy, he feels successful. When men are feeling successful, anybody feeling successful, their testosterone goes up. 
when she feels she's being supported, her needs are being met, she's feeling special, safe, loved, all those good things, then what happens? Her estrogens go up. And that's not all the time. It doesn't mean she has to feel that way all the time. But these are parts of the month where she needs to get that sort of dose of feeling that I'm in relationship and dependent on someone and they're there for me. Not a needy place, but a place where that need is being fulfilled. And not all the time. So so the key to this is recognizing when you're at work and you're a woman, you're making mostly testosterone, less estrogen. And at a certain point of the month, you need more estrogen. So you need to have some sort of partner uh, or techniques in your life, which will bring you back into the estrogen zone. So my book, Beyond Mars and Venus, talks about a variety of things a woman can do for herself if she's single, things that she can do if she's in a relationship. Uh, how she can motivate a man, how she can teach a man what she needs. You know, these are all things, we, these are new um, challenges because in the past, women weren't in the workplace all the time. They were more in estrogen land, more nurturing behaviors, more secure, more safe, and so forth. And, and so they didn't need men to help women increase their estrogen. So they didn't need men as much. And at certain points of the month, they were very appreciative of him. So you know, things have changed. The world has changed. We need to change with it. So there's a whole new set of skills. So in a sense, I wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus uh, over 25 years ago. I've been teaching it, you know, over 35 years. And it was really helping us understand where often we're coming from in ways that we're misunderstanding each other. Beyond Mars and Venus is teaching us where we need to go. Because as a society, we're way out of balance. And maybe not everyone listening is out of balance, but how do you know you are? Uh, is that if you're feeling stressed, you're out of balance. That's it. And relationships can be one of the best ways to lower that stress and open our hearts to feel love again, to feel passion in our lives. And I, and I know that passion is something that many people are saying, I miss, I want. I hope you enjoyed part one of my interview with John Gray. Join us again next week where we're going to continue our discussion, including diving deeper into his latest book and how that can help improve your relationship. But until then, go out there today and do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 